Welcome to the podcast. If you're a longtime fan of our podcast, you may remember our oral history series, Paw Tracks, which wrapped up last July. This month's Q&A is a combination of oral history and some more recent alumni news, the creation of the Princeton Veterans Association. It was recorded last June at reunions. If you enjoy our podcast, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes. If you're already listening on iTunes, please consider leaving a review. I'm Brett Tomlinson from the Princeton Alumni Weekly, and I'm here with Jim Marshall, class of 1972. Jim has had a remarkable career post-Princeton as a lawyer and legislator. Uh, he served four terms in the United States House of Representatives as a congressman from Georgia. He is also a former president of the United States Institute of Peace. At Princeton, he had a unique undergraduate experience that included a two-year absence for military service. And Jim is also one of the leaders of the new Veterans Association at Princeton, uh, PVETS, so we have lots to discuss, and Jim, I thought it would make sense to kind of start at the beginning. Can you tell me a bit about uh, where you grew up and, and how you found your way to Princeton initially? So I was the son of a West Point grad and the grandson of a West Point grad, and so I was headed to West Point. I was you know, military brat. And my dad wanted me to promise him that I would make a career of the military. I was 17 years old. I look at my father and say, Dad, I don't even know what I'm doing Saturday night. How can I promise you what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, basically? I can't do that. So he said, okay, I don't want you going to West Point, maybe taking a slot from somebody who was committed to a career. Well, what else was I going to do, you know, uh, being, uh, uh, you know, very presumptuous concerning my abilities and et cetera. Uh, I was actually interviewed uh, by the school newspaper down in Mobile. Where was I going to go to school? Well, I was no longer going to West Point. So I just said Princeton or Harvard. You know, what in the world would make me think that that could happen? But I did go to Princeton. And so uh, that's pretty much what did it. It, uh, it happens that we had relatives that were near to Princeton. I had other offers. Um, my father really liked the honor code. I liked the honor code as well. It's very similar to West Point's honor code. No, you know, no, no cheating, no lying, et cetera, and we won't tolerate other people who do it. And so one thing led to another because of the proximity, uh, because of the honor code, because I wasn't going to West Point, I went to Princeton. And how did Princeton then compare to uh, the schools that you had grown up going to, and, 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 and how did you adjust to, to whatever it was that was kind of new and different about Princeton? I was very fortunate uh, to be born in the family I was born in. My parents were both well-educated, very smart. They were insistent that we learned good values, that we got good educations, that we were good people. The schooling was all Catholic except for one year, and I, and, and I was – it was good schooling, uh, no question about that. Uh, and I uh, came to Princeton, I think, pretty well prepared uh, for Princeton academically and not necessarily for Princeton's social atmosphere. Uh, I was the oldest of eight in a military family. The deal was, you know, I, I got a National Merit Scholarship and a Princeton Scholarship and, you know, had federal loans, student loans. Uh, but I had to work a whole lot of jobs – 
because the deal was don't take any more money than necessary from the family. And, and, and if you take money from the family, pay it back as quickly as you can because there's seven younger brothers and sisters that need to go to college as well. So when I came to Princeton, it was on a bus from Mobile, Alabama. Uh, I'd never been here before. I was tossed into Edwards with three other guys I'd never met before, my roommates. And um, I worked the laundry, the student center, um, the cafeteria, sold souvenirs at the football games. I mean, it's just stuff like that to try and make ends meet. I was really impressed by how smart just about all of the, the people and certainly my roommates and people in Edwards and whatnot were. Uh, they were a lot more diligent than I was. Uh, I wasn't really good about going to class and, you know, doing things in an orderly way as opposed to just waiting until the last minute to do them. I mean, I would routinely not go to class. I mean, there were classes that uh, Professor Leibler uh, gave me a very bad grade in linear algebra. I deserved it. I thought I could just blow it off and read it the day before and come in and take the math test. I could always do that in the past, and I couldn't do this one. And uh, and I, uh, I wound up calling him up. Uh, this is before I left. Uh, I wound up calling him up, and he said, um, oh, you're the one from Alabama. I said, well, how, how would you know that? He said, well, I'd always like to know something about a student before I give him a grade, and since you and Braswell didn't come to class— I asked for your transcripts. You know, you have quite an aptitude for mathematics. I then started whining about, you know, I have this personal issue and that, and I couldn't do that. He cuts me off. You're too late. I've turned in the grades. I can't say anything at that point. He pauses. Would you like to know how you did? Yes, sir. You failed. But... I never give anybody a failing grade in linear algebra, and you might want to tell Braswell that too. And so it's that kind of behavior that was really not appropriate. Uh, and it may be I just, you know, I was in the straits of an army family, the Catholic, and then all of a sudden I'm sort of free to do what, what I want to do. And so that was sort of my first two years at Princeton. And after that uh, second year at Princeton, I guess heading into your junior year, mm -hmm. you made a, a choice that I gather was was – Atypical. Uh, Atypical. <laughs> it was entirely unique. <laughs> you decided to enlist. Uh, what? How did that happen? Then? Okay, so um, you know, I came from a military background. I wasn't that far, you know, from understanding what this would involve, and you know, feeling committed to you know my country first. I should serve that sort of thing. I really thought it was crappy that I had a student deferment. I and fellow Princetonians had student deferments. So we were exempt from the draft. And all these kids, you know, mostly poor, often of color, uh, who couldn't get into college or couldn't figure out how to get in the National Guard or the Reserves or something like that, uh, were getting drafted and sent over to Vietnam as, as cannon fodder. And it was re it really, the whole debate about that really heightened dramatically 50 years ago uh, when the Tet Offensive occurred. And so I was arguing that it was better for us to, to drop out and go serve. Uh, I'd been screwing around as a student. I you know, really wasn't applying myself like I should have. Uh, I wound up getting married uh, at, at this, the end of my sophomore year to my high school sweetheart, and I loved dearly. But the marriage was not a good idea. We were both too selfish, too young. 
And so I had a, decided I was going to do economics, uh, and I had an economics paper due, and I didn't want to do it. The marriage wasn't going well. I'd already said I should enlist, so instead of doing the paper, I got on the bus, went up to New York, and enlisted. And what was the reaction when when you uh, made that choice? How did your how did your family how did your father feel about uh, your decision? You know, I didn't ask uh, before I did what I did. I didn't I didn't ask anybody. I just went and did it. And you know, what could my father say? Um, he was going to be supportive, obviously. My mother was totally distraught. She used to write me letters all the time. She could not write me a letter after that. She was really worried about this. At one point, uh, eight kids. One of her friends said, well, Kiki, you've got eight kids. And her response was, I didn't know I had one to lose. So, it, it, it you know, lots of people weren't real happy about it. I was fine. And then you, you go in, you take their tests. Obviously, I did well on the tests. Do I want to go to OCS? Uh, no, uh, that's... That's three years minimum. I'm going to do two years and get on with my life. I'm not going to make the career of the, of the military. Do you want to work with computer systems that control guided missiles? No, that's not what I do. What do you want to do? And this is a lieutenant who said this to me. And I remember verbatim what I said in response because I, I know what he said. I said, I want to be in the infantry, jump out of airplanes, and go to Vietnam. He leaned forward, looked at me, and said, we've got plenty of openings. You'll have no trouble. And so I, and then I found out about NCO school, so I, I was a sergeant. Found out about ranger school, so I did all that kind of stuff and went to Vietnam. And it was a, I mean, bad things happened. I got wounded three times. That was okay. That wasn't a bad thing that happened. Uh, and it was uh, easily... Uh, the best thing I could have done during that period of time. Made plenty of mistakes, but I should have been paying the military. The military should not have been paying me. I learned so much. I matured so much. I got to do things that are, were just stunning. And uh, came back to Princeton. I was big enough to play lightweight football. I remember doing jumping jacks. The co-captains were going to go play Navy. And they were going. They were, the cadence was kill Navy, kill Navy. And I was on the back thinking, well, they are Navy pukes, but... Last time I checked, they're on our side, so I'm not going to count. The, I'm not going to say kill Navy. And, of course, we went and played them, and they killed us. But <laughs> You said that it was, it, was, it was going to be two years, and that's it. Uh, mm -hmm. Did you have any doubts, any reservations about whether or not you would come back to Princeton? Uh, was that kind of a foregone conclusion, or did, did you think uh, that maybe your future No, actually, I checked else? on that. I, I left in good standing, uh -huh. uh, and they said, please come back. Uh, and well, they, I don't know exactly who. Uh, but uh, and, if, and if you come back, you'll get your scholarship back and your loan back and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I, that's what I intended to do all along. I had left in October. Coming back in October would have been a problem, you know, two years. But I found out that you could get an early out. Um, 90 days uh, to go back to school. I was knocked out of combat um, by wounds, and then I was teaching in the rear, and I found out about that, and I applied, and they, so my entire ten tenure in the military, I guess I, I was released maybe a week or two before Princeton's 
uh, you know, was scheduled to start uh, in uh, 1970, 1970. And um, my total time in the military was 21 months and one day. And you came back to a campus that had... Uh, oh, roiled with conflict. In, 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 the, in the spring of that year, the students had gone on strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, you come back in the fall. What was it like to be uh, a young veteran entering your junior year at Princeton? Well, as you might imagine, I was kind of an oddity. Uh, and, uh, you know, people were real curious. Uh, I remember giving a talk uh, about my views of Vietnam. Uh, you know, how I thought we ought to be going about this, which was not the way that we were going about this. I don't know whether I was being naive at the time. Just don't know. But, uh, no, I just came back, going to finish, you know, get my degree, you know, played football one year. Um, You know, it was sort of the same thing. I mean, I I worked a lot of jobs, had the GI Bill. I didn't even know about the GI Bill when I enlisted. And so I came out, and, and not only did the GI Bill help me get through Princeton, but it also paid for like two years of law school, you know, later. Uh, so I didn't go directly to law school. I did a bunch of other stuff, but but the GI Bill was very helpful. I didn't even know about that. You, you mentioned that the experience of serving in the Army was uh, maturing for you. Mm-hmm. How were you different uh, as a student uh, when, you, when you came back uh, to Princeton? Huge difference. I'd actually read the stuff and go to class, prepare for exams, take the exams. I mean, I was normal. Had a hard time you know, getting motivated to do my senior thesis, but it was great. In hindsight, it sounds like the route you took uh, probably served you better than if you had gone to, to West Point. I think there's no way to know. Um, uh, you know, you jump into the West Point culture, you do not have the option of not going to class. You do not have the option of not studying before you go to class. I mean, and so I, I, I think I would have behaved differently because I had to behave differently. But at Princeton, you can do what you want to do. Um. I wanted to speak with you about the Princeton Veterans Association. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's uh, reunions this year has has been something of a, a kickoff or, or a, a celebration of, mm-hmm. of getting this this organization uh, off the ground and 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 getting more alumni involved. Uh, why why did you think it was important and and how is it going so far? So I'm involved in uh, alumni and friends of Princeton ROTC. I'm a friend. I'm not an alum. And I'm the president of that organization right now. Um, what, it, what that group does is we uh, develop resources and then lend whatever advice and you know personal one-on-one, what have you kind of stuff we can to help with the ROTC program and, and in particular with the cadets. We've been doing that for a while. Uh, West Point, I had I chaired the Board of Visitors at West Point at one point. Uh, I really thought that was pretty cool since my father and grandfather both went to West Point. My father told me not to go to West Point, and here I am chairing the Board of Visitors, which is kind of like the Board of Trustees. But anyway, uh, West Point, John Melkin at West Point, came up with the idea of teaming up with 
he's, he's got a degree from Princeton. He, you know, Princeton, Harvard, Yale, uh, to do annual conferences, seminars, whatever you want, colloquiums uh, on civil mill relations and rotate it through those four schools. Uh, it turned out that Harvard and Yale uh, actually had associations, veterans associations that are similar to the association that we just founded today at Princeton with the blessing of Princeton in a big way. And uh, Princeton didn't have anything like that, and there wasn't really the entity that was needed at Princeton in order to participate appropriately in this relationship that had been prompted by West Point. So um, Drew Davis, uh, Ray Dubois, Kirk Unruh, um, you know, a number of other people, um, but 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 they were principal drivers of this. And Drew Davis actually put together Andrew Davis, class of seventy. He put together an actual proposal. Uh, you know how we could do this. What we should, how we should organize ourselves here at Princeton. We we got with the administration, and it, it took a it's like a three or four year at least effort here. Because the university, the university here, Princeton, has been organized. Its alumni it's, are organized mostly around classes, and it's worked well for Princeton. And so Princeton didn't want to jump into some other way of organizing its alums uh, that might detract from what seems to be working. And so it took a while, and now we have the Princeton Veterans Alumni Association, which we call PVETS. Uh, there's a Princeton staffer. Uh, Emily Lathan, who is specifically assigned to this effort, uh, and what I what I hope, what I expect, is that uh, we'll we'll pull in and hopefully get interested in Princeton uh, uh, veterans who, you know, in recent years have not been interested in Princeton for one reason or another, and and in some instances because they're really irritated about the whole Vietnam stuff and uh, the protests and kicking ROTC out and stuff like that. Uh, we'll, we'll pull them in, and we'll have this network of individuals that's able to recruit veterans to become Princeton students, counsel Princeton students who are veterans, maybe support and help with the ROTC program, um, and, 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 and you know, work on you know, these colloquiums. The Woodrow Wilson School did one called Defending Democracy. We were actively involved in making that happen and helping structure what it was. And that happened earlier, April, I guess, this year. And it was great. It was fabulous. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm real pleased. Uh, Drew Davis is going to be the first president. I mean, he's in the businesses that I have been involved in, political uh, mostly, um, or as a lawyer. It is wonderful when somebody comes in and gives you a package instead of comes up with an idea and then you're expected to come up with the actual structure. And Drew came in with the package, and he'll be a great leader. There is a effort on campus to recruit more veterans to to the undergraduate college. Uh, uh, there are veterans in in the graduate ranks. Um, there is an ROTC program. It, Army ROTC, Navy recently returned. What do you think? Um, it's the benefit to Princeton of having uh, veterans on campus. When I came back from Vietnam, uh, I was an anomaly, uh, and an awful lot of people wanted to talk to me about, well, what 
What's the military like? You know, what was your life like? You know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And so I'm able to, I was then able to bring a vantage point that was informed by actual experience that would enrich their understanding of how all this works and doesn't work, you know, because a lot of it doesn't work and why doesn't it work, what we should and should not be doing, how all these problems unfold. That's one thing. Second thing is that uh, it's good for Princeton to, and other institutions are doing this quite, quite well. It's good for Princeton to be open and supportive uh, and as helpful as possible to veterans who have served, served well, hopefully. Uh, and it's a contribution that Princeton can make. You know, think about our motto, service to the nation and humanity. <clears throat> That's very similar to the attitude that uh, – well, very similar. It's essentially the attitude that – good military personnel have toward enlisting uh, and, um, and, 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 and then doing what they do uh, in, the, in the military, whatever it is. There's a very small number of people, percentage-wise, it's, it's extraordinarily small, that wind up getting into the kind of combat that I was in. Uh, I was just really intent on doing just that, you know, be at the tip of the spear. But everybody who serves uh, learns things that uh, about us and about how we work and and has this opportunity to serve in ways that Princeton, frankly, should honor. Well, Jim, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a pleasure. Brett, appreciate it. Alumni veterans who are interested in joining PVETS can sign up by updating their veteran status in the alumni directory on TigerNet. Additional information is available at pvets.org. This interview was recorded at the Princeton Broadcast Center with help from Dan Keough. The music is licensed from First Comm Music.